Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over a huge event, UFC 241, pay-per-view headlined by Daniel Cormier, defending his title off of the, uh, against the man that he wanted from, Stipe Miocic. This will be DC's second defense of the heavyweight title. And then in the Coleman event, we got Nate Diaz making his return after beating Conor McGregor way back at, or sorry, going to a decision with Conor McGregor way back at UFC 202, uh, going up against Anthony Showtime Pettis, which should be a great fucking fight. And then we also got the return of the Soldier of God, Yoel Romero versus Paulo Bohachinha Costa, which is a fight all of us have been looking forward to. It's like two superhuman action figures going up against each other and probably like the best bodies in MMA going against each other. And they just have devastating knockout power as well, which should make the fight very uh, intriguing and entertaining. However, we're going to be starting off with the casuals. And my man Big Rob is back in the house. Hey. What up, what up, what up? (laughs) So I wasn't able to make it out to the studio last week. We had a super fucking busy week. Rob had his shit going on. I had my own shit going on. Hence why you guys got like a fucking recording from my phone on my way to Ottawa. Um, And I still managed to get it out for you guys. So for the whatever, however many views I got on SoundCloud, much appreciated. Hopefully I helped you guys out. Um, But uh, for the casuals, we're actually going to be starting off with a fight that took place this past weekend. Uh, Mike Perry versus Vicente Luque. I'm not going to obviously show him the whole fight because it went to a decision. However, there was one very crucial moment that led to probably the most uh, talked about thing that came out of this UFC Uruguay event. So uh, there's actually a quick highlight video, a 25-second highlight video on YouTube that I'm going to show my man Big Rob. So, uh, yeah, just fucking take a look at this. Let's get right into it. Look at that knee. Like... It was a, it's a flying-ish knee that lands like clean. Wow. The effects are kind of weird on this video, but perfectly. And look at his oh. nose. Look at his fucking nose. It doesn't even have a nose left. No. Look at that. Let's see if I can fucking. So you, look at that. Are Just, you allowed to hit people in the nose? Like, yeah. Yeah? Okay. You hit wherever the hell you want, except the balls or okay. can't gouge the eyes, right? Okay. But, Look, like that is probably the most mangled nose I've ever seen. Yeah, man. Wait, let's see the before picture. <laughs> <laughs> you want to compare? Yeah. yeah. It? <laughs> Look at this shit. Wait, let's rewind that before you get the blow. I want to see that. Oh, again. you can't really see oh, his okay, nose. Okay. Let's see if they have a. But yeah, dude, he got he got really oh, badly man. hurt in that. It was nuts in terms of uh, like some somebody kind of like almost spoiled it for me by mm. saying that uh, there's a nose that you see. And uh, I didn't know whose it was or what it was. Okay. Other, I want to check out this other uh, okay, cool, cool, this cool. YouTube video and see if we can get a better angle of it or something. Uh, don't care about that. Don't care about that. Here we go. Okay. Look at this. <laughs> God damn. Dude. His now, nose is probably the most... Yeah, oh, yeah. no. Look at that. <laughs> no. Yep. It's like no, almost it's, in his eye. It's It's not even attached to his face. Like I mean, like yeah. the skin's holding it, yeah. but the cartilage behind it is all disconnected, and and it's like, just that's where his nose is, and there's just like a soft patch of skin right there. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's How... where the that's where the holes are, where the air goes yeah. in. Like it's like, oh my god! So dude. he's like breathing around a corner right now. <sighs> Man, How fucking crazy is that? Now uh, let me ask you this: yep. Th- that he got hit in the nose with the guy with the knee. Is it just because that guy's doing a copycat move? Because the other guy was so successful hitting the other guy in the face with the knee a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, I think it's more so just this guy's style. Like this okay. Vicente Luque guy, he's like a he's a really good striker. Okay, and I think he may have picked up on certain tendencies from his opponent Mike Perry, uh, which allowed him to land that knee so eff- like so cleanly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't normally see that type of damage on no. noses from knees <laughs> no. from knees like that. That one one of the more rare ones right so it's yeah it was it was perfectly timed mm. perfectly placed and aesthetically Oof. it probably just looked the most disgusting oh, as well man. now this guy now let me ask you this uh does this like did is this just uh action from the knee only or did this was this guy's nose hit so many times it's just uh, hanging by a thread <laughs> you know? see the, I, I would say it's more so the knee okay it was probably the knee Okay. Yeah, like uh, repeatedly, like he was getting busted up for the whole fight. Yeah. But it was nothing noticeable on the nose until like that knee landed. Yeah. And I think that was like the last minute of the fight too, which probably fucked everything up. Um, yeah, he had to have uh, one hour surgery. 
they're in Uruguay while they're where they were doing this fight. So he was getting fucking. I don't know if the oh. UFC had doctors that were you know it's licensed to to allow to do that type of surgery down there, oh. but he may have had to do it you know from some foreign doctor. Wow. And then had to fly back to Florida after that, like. I I don't know. That's dude. wild. That's man. that's one of the crazier fucking knees I've ever seen. It looks like plaster scene. His I nose. Know. <laughs> like, it doesn't even look real, man. It looks like, like some special guy. effects stuff. Like. There's another guy, Andre Arlovsky, whose like nose is just permanently crooked now, just from the the years of beatings, not beatings, but like <sighs> yeah. damage. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you can kind of see it. Yeah, here. Oh my god. He's looking one way, his nose is looking the other right? way, man. Like, like you can kind of see it where it's just like, Whoa. just sniffing around Whoa. a corner. Man, <laughs> poor guy. Damn, that was fucking nuts, dude. But his ears are okay, surprisingly. Yeah, he wasn't more of a much of a wrestler. The guy, other guys, kind of have like the more cauliflower ear from okay, like the yeah. friction and stuff, right? Yeah. Dude, I had a crazy fucking week. I was kind of waiting it for waiting for the fucking podcast to happen because it's kind of pushed like my whole. Kind of pushed my whole week back. So mm. last weekend was, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before right. uh, was a long weekend for us Canadians, That's right? Straight. Civic holiday. Yeah. So I'm just planning on chilling out the whole weekend. Nope. Sunday, I had to go to my mom's place to help paint. Oh, the, yeah. You getting things ready? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, I thought that was only going to take one day. Nope. Took two days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up going to uh, her place again on uh, Monday, okay. which was a holiday. Mm-hmm. Painted that day. Tuesday, I had work. Uh, I had to go pretty much work a double shift so we have like a trade show going on now and they just needed assistance setting up the trade show at a at the congress center that's yeah yeah yeah. so i had to go tuesday after work and wednesday after work Mm. thursday was my girl's birthday so you know that day's a fucking write-off it's all yeah busy 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 fucking write-off uh and then friday so i surprised my girlfriend with a trip to ottawa yeah so that was very like spontaneous i just fucking found an airbnb booked that shit asap and then Friday after work, uh, I pretty much got home, took a shower, and we got on the road right away. We got to Ottawa at like 11 p.m. ish. Okay. Um, great location too, though, okay. dude. Like our condo or our Airbnb mm-hmm. was like a solid five minute walk away from Parliament Hill. Oh, nice. So like we did not once we parked, we didn't touch the car until we left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was in walking distance, so it was fucking awesome in that aspect. So mm. we were able just to get fucked up the entire time. Didn't give it was a fuck. Beautiful right? there. It was awesome. Mm. Uh, so the next, so Saturday was kind of like the main day. My girl really loves Parliament. She loves like politics and all that type of shit. Cool, cool. But uh, she's never actually taken the tour of Parliament. Okay. So we actually took the tour at like. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whatever it was. Unfortunately, for anybody that's ever been to the parliament in Ottawa, uh, they have like three blocks. So they have the east block, or sorry, the west block, the center block, and the uh, east block. The center block is like the Peace Tower and like the main yep. building, right? Right. Uh, however, this summer, they closed that shit oh. uh, for 10 to 15 years of renovation. 10 to 15 years? Yes. They're it's going to take that long? Yeah. 10 to 15 years. So no oh tours, God. no public is allowed to go into that center block, essentially. Holy so shit. we were only able to see East Block uh, and uh, the House of Commons. So that shit was cool. Okay. It was interesting to see. Um, and then that night, uh, we saw these ads for this thing called the Northern Lights. Okay. And it's like a, a, a show that they put on uh, that tells the history of Parliament. Okay. But they project it onto Parliament. That's badass. So, like, the screen is Parliament yeah. itself. Yeah, that's So, cool. it was pretty fucking sick. Uh, it was supposed to start at 9.30, and we were in the vicinity. We're just blazing. We're just chilling yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just hear these, like, it sounded like like cannons going off or something like that. Oh, like, it just loud. sounded like huge bangs. And we're, mm. like, we're maybe, like, a solid, like, five-minute walk away from it. We're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And then you slowly see a little bit of smoke coming up closer to the parliament area, right? Okay. Like, what the fuck? So we go closer, and then you see fireworks. We're like, what the fuck? We're not expecting any fireworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to parliament, and there's this huge fucking fireworks show going on behind parliament. Oh, beautiful. Like, huge. Like yeah. So it, it turns out that there's, like, some firework competition going on. So uh, for anybody that doesn't know, behind Parliament, there's a river, and across the river is actually Quebec. That's where Gatineau is. So the the, right. the the firework thing was going on in Gatineau, but you could see it so clearly from in front of Parliament that everybody was just lining up in front of Parliament and just watching the fireworks. One of the craziest oh. things I've ever seen, like anything compared to Wonderland or anywhere else yeah, I've been yeah, to fireworks, yeah. was dog shit compared to this show. It was sick. It was like a legit show. Like legit like fireworks show. Uh, it went from like nine ten to about nine forty. Nine. It was oh like half God. an hour, dude. It was solid half an hour. 
That's and a the lot show, of explosives. That the history of Parliament show was supposed to happen at 9.30. So Holy we're just shit. like, okay, maybe we're late for it. This is maybe a part of the show. We had no idea. We ended maybe. up asking somebody after, but it, they're like, oh, it just so happened that it lined up this way. You're lucky that it just lined up this way. I was like, sick. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is, uh, when you hear the fireworks, I don't know if you've yeah. ever been that close to fireworks, where when you hear the bang, you kind of feel it in your chest. Yeah, it resonates. You yeah. feel it. It's the reverberation wild. off yeah. of like all of the walls and stuff yeah, around, yeah. like the buildings and everything, it just made it so much more intense. Like, yeah. It was so sick. It was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. Then we stayed for the show. With the projection on the fucking uh, parliament. Mint. One of the craziest fucking things I've seen. Like, I would highly recommend anybody to go fucking check that out. I think it's a nightly occurrence in Ottawa for all of summer. If you mm. guys are ever out there, definitely go check that out. It's only like a 30-minute show. Uh, they have a lawn where you can just sit and sit on your butt and bring cool. a fucking blanket or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can stand and watch the whole show too, right? They, I'll show you some pictures after the show, okay. but goddamn, it looked fucking nuts. It was insane. Uh, so we did that. Our initial plan was to go to Byward Market, which is like the kind of like their student club district, okay. almost like high or not high school, but uh, university club scene. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. We fucking ended up walking there, having like two beers, and then we just walked back. We're like, Fuck yeah, it. we just walked around. Uh, and then the next morning, we had to leave super early, uh, but we saw the changing of the garden. Oh, so they have like people playing horns and trumpets and fucking drumline and all that type of shit walking down the streets of Ottawa towards the parliament. I think it starts off at the War War Memorial, which is just down the street from parliament. And then they just walk up to parliament. They do like some fucking army shit. They have like the red thing with the black, like the full British get up, the full British army get up. Uh, And then they just like do like the changing of the guard. It's fucking insane. We just stumbled upon that too. Then we left. We left. Uh, around we got out of the city around eleven o'clock. Got down to got back to Toronto for okay. about four-ish, and I was going <laughs> four p.m. I, four p.m. Okay. Uh, then I had a wrestling show to go to. WWE had like a big pay-per-view event, SummerSlam, okay. happening at the Scotiabank Arena. So I went, oh, literally got home, showered. My boy and my brother met me met up with me at, at the condo. And we went okay. right down to the show. I'm going off of like five hours of sleep at that point. Chug a fucking iced coffee, Tim Hortons. Shoot me a fucking sponsorship because I'm living off. (laughs) I'm living off you guys at this point. Um, And yeah, it was fucking. uh, So we went to the show, got back up around like one o'clock, back up to my condo, and then I slept for four hours. Got back up at five o'clock to get to work. To get to work. Yeah. And I went to work. Went to my mom's house real quick, and now I'm back. I'm in the studio. I'm like, I've had the longest fucking week. It feels like the long the the (laughs) fucking weekend just felt like it went like that. Like, oh yeah, it's it's like a blink. Yeah, holy jam packed, man. I know. Like I barely like I had the tape index is supposed to be out. I haven't been able to finish that. I'm gonna be putting the finishing touches on that tonight. Cool. Um, yeah, like just all my lock the night challenge thing that I've been doing for you guys. I haven't even been able to update the standings because I've been so fucking busy. It, it's just been a whirlwind. I think things are going to slowly start to settle down a little mm-hmm. bit now, but holy fuck, I feel like I'm in like a hurricane right now. <laughs> Jesus. God Buckle damn. up. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, today is what, the 50th, and we got yeah, a surprise. 50th, yeah, we got the 50th episode today, which is fucking amazing. And we do have a little bit of a surprise surprise for you guys a little bit later in the show. Can't wait to fucking unveil it. Uh, Big Rob has been a big help to make this happen and orchestrate all this. So I, I'm very endeared to this motherfucker right here. This guy's always looking out for me, so I appreciate it. Um, but I think You're we're just going to continue to take this fucking show to the next level and next and next and next. It yeah, starts man. with the 50th show. Well, it yeah. started with number one, but, you know, yeah. 50th, we're continuing to innovate and make it better. Yeah. All right, brother. Okay. Appreciate you as always. Thank you. And thank you for that VR fucking thing earlier today, too. I know you're going to go fucking play that as soon as you get up now. I love it. I'm probably going to waste my time here after fucking playing that shit, too. He got got the Oculus Rift pretty much. Oh, it's so good. And uh, we were fucking around with that a little bit before we started recording. But I'm here for this, so we're going to fucking do this. Appreciate it, Rob. You're the best. All right. Uh, Before we get into UFC 241, we're going to quickly go over UFC Uruguay that happened this past weekend. Uh, I was finally able to catch up on it last night. Uh, it was so hard to stay off of fucking social media because I saw all these notifications. I just wanted to say what up to you guys and see how everybody did. But I finally caught up last night. Uh, unfortunately, I ended up on the losing end. We'll start off with our two losing picks. Uh, starting off with Alexei Kunchenko, two units. Uh, 
minus two units at minus 127 against Gilbert Burns. You know, Konchenko showed off his great boxing. I think he was winning the, the, the striking exchanges, but it really came down to those two takedowns that Gilbert Burns was able to hit in the first round and the second round, and that managed to keep Konchenko down for the majority of those rounds, which, are, which is what I believe really won him the fight. So big up to big Gilbert Burns for taking this fight on short notice up a weight class as well against a very uh, against an undefeated Alexei Kunchenko and a guy that a lot of people were not able uh, to really solve uh, so big shout out to Gilbert Burns for getting the victory there next on my lock line I play was an L uh, I, I kind of feel shitty betting it afterwards but you know hindsight is always 20-20 uh, I wasn't sold on Mar- Marina Rodriguez but I kind of am now uh, I want to see what, what other competition she faces but she really was able to uh, stifle Tisha Torres' attack uh, fend off all the takedowns uh, and just landed the bigger and better strikes and you can kind of see in Torres' face that she was kind of getting more and more demoralized as her as the fight was not going her way so I, I really thought her veteran experience and and her strength was going to play a big advantage here however marina rodriguez was able to keep this fight on the feet keep tisha torres on the outside and continuously beat her up so big up to rodriguez there uh and then let's just go on over to the two uh bets that i actually cashed uh two units at minus 200 for uh hafiel pesoa against cyril gan uh under two uh, one and a half that probably should have been my locker than i play i'm not sure why i didn't hit that harder but uh minus 200 was a great price for a fight that i thought was probably not even going to make it out of the first round and it did not so uh one year of profit there and then also i had one year at plus 100 on the over three and a half rounds on valentina shevchenko against liz karmouche i thought that was kind of a no-brainer i feel like i'm the the shevchenko whisperer in the fact that i'm able to call whether if this fight's going to go to a decision or if it's going to be a finish and i called it last time that she was going to knock out jessica i uh relatively early and now i called that uh she's you know she wasn't going to be able to put away liz carmouche who's very durable uh and a very resilient opponent uh and that over three and a half cast pretty easily so one unit at plus 100 100 uh cash for one unit uh but overall minus five units pretty shitty um but we're gonna move right the fuck along to ufc 241 which goes down this weekend and i have plenty of plays i think of i'm gonna play for this but i gotta be very selective Money management is number one, obviously, um, and then uh, you know go from there. But I, I have a lot of lines that I really like, and geez, the line on one of my plays that I've already played uh, is starting to close a bit too. And one that I'm looking to play is getting a little bit wider, so I might need to hit that soon. You know, I'm probably going to hit it while I'm on this website or while I'm doing this podcast, but we'll see a little bit later. So um, let's fucking kick this thing off right off the bat. Oh, you know what? Let me give you guys my quick thoughts on this card. Uh, Decent card from top to bottom. There's always there's something intriguing in every fight, in my opinion, from right down to the bottom. Sabina Mazzo coming off her first uh, loss. It's going to be interesting to see how she bounces back from this fight. Uh, Kyung Kong is a guy that I'm a big fan of. Uh, Hannah Seifer is coming back against Jordi Escobel. Uh, Manny Bermudez. A lot of people are really big on him. Uh, Drakkar Close against Christoph Giagos. Not really hyped for that. Rafael Asenso playing the gatekeeper role here with Corey Sandhagen. Trying to see if Sandhagen can make it to the next level. Devontae Smith coming, uh, fighting uh, Clay Collar, who's making his UFC return. Derek Brunson against Ian Heinish. Maybe a passing of the torch fight there. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf against Gabriel Benitez. You all motherfucking Romero against Paulo Costa. Do I even have to say anything about that? The return of Nate Diaz, finally. You know, he was supposed to fight Dustin Poirier last year. That didn't come to fruition, and now here he is. Uh, fighting Anthony Pettis, who's coming off a big win. Uh, and then DC uh, defending his title for the second time against Stipe Miocic, who's the guy that uh, lost the title him, to him as well. So, uh, big card. Super excited for it. Probably not going to be able to watch it live because I, had, I got a fucking life. You know, guys? It's unfortunate with the UFC event every fucking weekend that I have shit to do at times. And this is unfortunately one of the bigger cards that I'm going to have to miss. So, I'll be able to catch up with it hopefully right afterwards, uh, if not the next day. But... Let's fucking get this card going and let's get this show on the road. So now, uh, first up, we got Sabina Mazzo versus Shanna Dobson. Sabina Mazzo is coming off her first L. She was 6-0 coming into the UFC and now she took her first loss to Marina Moroz way back in March, end of March, um, via decision. Uh, and I think this fight against Shanna Dobson is a little bit of a tee up for her to kind of get back on the winning ways. Um, you know, she she's a decent striker. She could have had a little bit more urgency in that fight against Marina Moroz. However, she let that fight slip away from her and Marina Moroz was able to get the victory. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, she has a very promising future. She's kind of lanky. She has a 70-inch reach, which is very impressive. Uh, but Shanna Dobson herself is a little bit of a lanky girl. But I don't think she has the, the wherewithal and the experience to really uh, use it effectively. I'm not big on Shanna Dobson. I did fade her, I believe, her last time around. <clears throat> 
I think I did. Uh, in the Lauren Mueller fight, yeah, I think I took Lauren Mueller. I'm trying to remember, but I feel like I definitely did uh, fade her. Um, but regardless, I'm not impressed with Shana, Shana, Do- Shana Dobson, uh, primarily a striker. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just not impressed with her at all. Uh, I like Sabina Mazo here, especially at the dog odds that she's at. Uh, I may hit her very shortly. I want to see how, if the odds somehow get wider. I don't know how people can confidently bet Shana Dobson here. But I guess recency bias taken into consideration. Uh, the fact that Sabina Mazo uh, lost the way that she did to um, Marino Moroz uh, is playing into a lot of people's uh, eyes here but I think that she'll have uh, Shanna Dobson's number pick her apart from the outside and win a decision victory so I will be going with Sabina Mazzo as the underdog uh, via decision next up we got Kyung Ho Kong against Brandon Davis Kyung Ho Kong is a guy that I've been high on for a long time he had a very close split decision loss to Ricardo Hamosh uh, way back in August of last year uh, but he also has an L to Chico Camas um, and also a, a loss technically to Alex Caceres uh, but now it's a no contest I believe Caceres tested positive for weed uh, but regardless I'm very impressed with Kyung uh, I think that he has a bright future um, I think he is getting up there in age unfortunately though uh, 87, you know he's 31, he's, he still has time in my opinion, uh, he's coming off a victory over Turuti Ishiara in his last fight kind of went down the way I expected it to uh, you know, if he was able to get the fight to the ground he should have been able to find the choke relatively quickly and he did, and I think that he's going to have kind of the same success against the guy in Brandon Davis here, uh, Brandon Davis forgot who it was but one of my friends was was saying that he's a part of that no takedown camp and i you know i kind of agree i think that kong is going to have a lot of success uh taking this fight to the ground if he chooses to a little gassy apologies guy uh, apologize guys uh, but i think he's a little uh you know i think i think that kong is obviously going to be the stronger guy he does a lot of good work when he's able to get his uh you know hands clinched against uh uh, around these guys and drag them to the floor and I think it's going to be no different against a, a guy like Brandon Davis again who's cutting a sh- fuck ton of weight you know uh, I think he was saying he was running 30 miles a week or some shit some ridiculous number just to make sure that he's able to make weight uh, but I'm not sure if he's going to have the same success against a guy like Kyung who probably has the weight cut a little bit down better and he's still like the leg well he's a big guy let's see uh 72-inch reach for Brandon Davis, 72-inch reach for Kong, and I think that Davis just has a one-inch height advantage as well. So uh, it's not going to be a huge size discrepancy here, and if anything, you got to go with the guy that, uh, you know, who has been at Bantamweight for a longer time and has, uh, you know, been more comfortable at that weight. Um, so I, I like Kong here. I actually have him in a parlay as well, a 1.5-unit parlay with the next fight that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, but I, I do like Kong here. I just think that Davis, he's just not in a really revolutionary type of guy he's not evolving in his game uh and you know he may think that going down to 35 is the best thing for him to do but it's more so just a way for him to find more life you know he was uh what was it one in three in his uh ufc stint at 145 uh and the only way he was probably going to be able to stick around is just by going down a weight class you know he lost to enrique barzola and zabit magomed Sharapov, uh and then he goes down to 135 and beats uh ufc newcomer randy costa um, kind of think that was a toss-up fight for him as well in terms of it being in his home state uh, and the guy only being 4-0 going into that fight too. Uh, so good win for Brandon Davis, but I think that this is where his bantamweight momentum stops. And I think that Kong gets the, uh, I'm going to say, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kong get a finish, like a choke of some sort. But... I'll go with I'll go with Kong by second round submission. Let's leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, I do have him in a parlay, a 1.5 unit parlay at plus 120 with the girl in the next fight, Hannah Cyphers, uh, who's facing Jody Escobar. So Hannah Cyphers is you know a pretty hefty favorite over Escobar. But the thing is, well, Escobar she's a she never really improves. She kind of just stays stagnant. You know, she doesn't really try to take her game to another level. Um, you know, to get out completely outboxed and outstruck by a girl like Jessica Aguilar is just sad. You know, like considering what Aguilar has looked like as of late, I just don't think that Jody Escobar is going to be able to change anything enough to, you know, 
beat a girl like Hannah Cyphers as well, who throws with a lot of fucking heat. I wouldn't be surprised to see Escobar drop or get dropped by Hannah Cyphers here, and Hannah Cyphers gets some sort of like TKO finish. But she throws with a lot of heat. Uh, she's very strong. She's like very unassumingly strong as well, which is kind of weird. Um, I was surprised. Uh, to see the type of fighting style that she has once I started running the tape on her just due to the fact that her you know appearance maker makes her look like she's more of a point fighter but no she she likes to go for the finish she has let's see how many finishes does she have in her record now uh one two three four oh sorry wins let's see win finishes one two three four five five finishes in nine fights that's very or nine wins I should say that's very impressive and that Poliana Vienna fight, you know, she was a hefty underdog in that fight. I think plus two thirty-five or so. And I did, I didn't bet her, but I did pick her to win, and that felt kind of good. I wish I kind of bet her as well, so it, it went my way. But uh, I think that uh, you know, I, I'm definitely taking advantage of it here. A little bit juicy at minus two fifty-ish range, uh, but you know, parlaying her with Kyung Ho Kong, I feel a lot more um, confident, especially getting plus money on a on a spot like this uh, with Kong is very, uh, very enticing. So I like Hannah Cyphers to win this fight via, let's say by decision, you know, I will give it to Jody Escobar. She's a little bit tough and she might have, you know, glimpses of success here, but I don't think that she's going to win the whole 15 minutes. And I think that Hannah Cyphers is just going to continuously hurt her and make it a bad night. So I'm going with Hannah Cyphers via decision. Next up, we have another fight that I might be making a bet on is Manny Bermudez versus uh, Casey Kenny. I love me some Bermudez, guys. Uh, I think he has a little bit of that uh, Brian Ortega effect. I think that he has that, like, he can kind of get a choke from anywhere he wants. Look at how many fucking triangle chokes this motherfucker has. One, two, three, four, five. Five triangle choke finishes in, uh, what is that, 13 wins, 14 wins. That's That's very good. Over a 33% triangle choke finish rate, which is crazy. But uh, I'm very impressed with this guy. You know, like I said, he has that Brian Ortega style where I think he's going to be able to catch submissions from almost anywhere. I don't want to take anything away from Casey Kenny, though. You know, he has that big victory over Ryan uh, or Ryan Ray Borg in his UFC debut. Uh, a lot of people thought that Ray Borg won that fight, but it was a very back and forth fight, you know. I think that Casey Kenny uh, has a, a pretty good scrambling game, uh, but I don't know if he's gone up against a guy who has the jiu-jitsu and the, the knack for looking for submissions like a guy like Manny Bermudez. And I think in some of those transitions is where, Bernie, is where Manny Bermudez is going to catch a choke of some sort. Uh, I... <laughs> if these guys are somehow touching or uh, clinching or grappling, I, I would be scared for Casey Kenny. You know I mean, I, you don't know the type of setups that Manny Bermudez is able to come up with. I think he's a very crafty uh, jiu-jitsu player, and I think that he's going to continue to take it up, and it's only really going to come down to when he fights guys that have, you know, the striking and takedown defense and, you know, decent enough jiu-jitsu um, to... Uh, to to actually beat a guy like Manny Bermudez. We saw it in Max Holloway against uh, Brian Ortega. If Brian Ortega is not able to get a hold of this guy, you know, he's going to get beat up. So if Manny Bermudez uh, comes in comes into a fight and, you know, uh, let's see, he's at 135. Let's say he fights, uh, let's say he fights like a Cody Garbrandt who's able to keep the fight on the feet. He's going to get beat the fuck up. I don't think that Casey Kenny provides that type of uh, threat for him though. So I'm going to take Manny Bermudez here by submission. I'll say second round. Uh, but I'm on the fucking Bermuda Triangle train, guys. And I think I might bet him. It's currently sitting at minus 117 on Pinnacle. Uh, I like the close odds, and I might take a little bit of a stab on him. So uh, I like Bermuda's here to win by second round submission. Uh, next up, we got Christos Giagos against Drakkar Close. Uh, one of the fights that I haven't really looked too deep into. Minus 2-ish, minus 200-ish for Jakar Close is a little bit high for a guy, uh, especially against a guy in Christos Giagos, who a lot of people have been kind of looking over, um, or sorry, at least overlooking. You know, he was an underdog going into that fight against uh, Demir Hadzovic at plus 145, and he comes out with the unanimous decision. Uh, and then in that fight before, uh, he absolutely took apart or beat the fuck out of Mizuto Hirota, but he was a minus 400 favorite in that fight. So I completely understand that aspect of it. Uh, but in this Drakkar close fight, he's going to come up against a guy that has uh, a little bit more of a complete game, uh, probably a better striker, um, you know, a more technical striker than a Demir Hadzovic, I should say. Uh, but I, I just don't know who to pick here. Uh, Bet-wise, I'm probably passing. Uh, might even be a dog or pass situation here, but uh, 
I'll pick Drakkar close, uh, but in terms of betting, I'm probably going to pass on it as a whole. All right, next up, we got Hafi Alessandro versus Corey Sandhagen, which is a fight that I'm very much excited for. Um, I'm a huge Hafi Alessandro fan. You may not hear that from a lot of people, but uh, I am. I truly think that the guy's a great fighter and very talented. Unfortunately, that he came up short uh, in his last fight against Marlon Moraes. Um, where he got guillotine choked, which was very, very surprising. You're, you're talking about a guy that barely ever, if probably never got finished, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he lost to Eric Koch way back at UFC 128, and Uri Faber choked him out back in 2010. So it's been a while since he had suffered defeat via finish, uh, and Marlon Moraes kind of reminded him why that Moraes is such a beast. So before that, you know, he strung together four straight victories over Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Moraes, uh, Matthew Lopez, and Rob Font. Uh, and then he ran into Marlon Moraes, and now here he is against Corey Sandhagen, who kind of has a little bit of a, a very similar style to a guy like TJ Dillashaw, who was also able to beat Rafael Sansao, but he has his own like uh, Sandhagen remixed version of the Dillashaw. I think he's a little bit more uh, wild and unorthodox with his striking, but still uh, disciplined. He is technical, but I think that... Uh, you know, they have slight differences in terms of Dillashaw and Corey Sandhagen. They both love to move. They both love to move their feet. They both love to move vertically. Um, but I think that uh, uh, I think that Sandhagen has the blueprint out there to beat a guy like Rafael Asuncao. You know, uh, Asuncao likes to get away with pot shotting and, you know, beating up guys that don't really move as much. But Sandhagen is going to be on his bicycle for most of that fight. And he's going to be throwing offense with it as well. So uh, I understand why Corey Sandhagen is the favorite here. The best price you could probably get on Sanhagen minus 147 on Pinnacle. Uh, return on a Sunsa plus 130. Uh, I'm personally passing on this fight, but I wouldn't be mad to see somebody bet Corey Sanhagen around that minus 150 range. I think that uh, he has the perfect tools to put a game plan together to beat a guy like Rafael Asuncao. I don't think that he's going to be too phased by the power that Asuncao is throwing, nor do I think he's even going to be there to eat most of those shots that Asuncao is going to be throwing at him either. So the fact that Sanhagen was able to survive five or three rounds against uh, John Lineker in his last fight uh, should give him enough confidence uh, to go up against a more uh, technical, disciplined striker uh, like Rafael Asuncao, uh, but know that he's able to eat shots as well from guys like John Lineker. So I think that San Hagen's, uh, you know, confidence is sky high right now. 11-1, and one, only ever lost to Jamal Emmers way back in February of 2017, but has notched together six straight victories since then. Uh, and I think this might be his coming out party. I think he's really going to get a, a top 10 rank beside his name, uh, maybe even top 7-ish if he's able to pull this victory over uh, Sunsao. But I think he's going to win. I'm going to take him by decision. I don't think that uh, he'll be able to put out a Sunsao or choke out a Sunsao or anything like that. So I'm going to take San Higgins. Whoop. I'm going to take Sandhagen by decision. Oop, I just moved the camera, and I hope that really didn't fuck anything up. Regardless, um, I think that Sandhagen wins this fight uh, via decision, uh, and unfortunately, Rafael Asuncao has to take another loss. All right, next up, we got Devontae Smith against Clay Collard. Um, Clay Collard coming back to the UFC after a little bit of a layoff and even a venture into boxing as well. He's been really coming up against some of these guys uh, and showing off his boxing boxing skills too, but... He was in the his last fight in the UFC is at UFC 191, which is in September of 2015. Um, he lost to Thiago Trautour, uh, and then since then he's gone. What is that? Five and one, uh, and nope, sorry, four and one in MMA, as well as one uh, o oh, and two in boxing. So he's definitely trying his hands uh, in boxing and making sure he's tightening those those things up. And uh, I did see one of his fights that my man MMA Predictions Guru sent over to me. And I am impressed. I will say that. I will. I am definitely impressed with his hands. He's definitely tightening up his game. And I think that provides a little bit of issues for a guy like Devontae Smith, who if Smith isn't able to put him out early, I think he's going to have a really tough time uh, dealing with the pressure and pace um, and, you know, hand speed of a clay collard for the next two you know for the next two rounds uh minus 750 minus 700 for Devonte smith is a little crazy i think a lot of people are you know kind of getting blinded by the fact that clay collard is you know returning to the ufc never really made it when he was there um and just also you know the 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 intimidation factor of a Devonte smith who's just been absolutely flatlining all of his opponents in his fights um you know he 
creamed fucking Julian Rosa in 46 seconds and then finishes Dong Young Ma yeah, just in the four minutes of that first round. But he's just been going out there and we haven't really been able to see what he looks like after fucking uh, after round two. Um, he lost to John Gunther when he started to really gas and wasn't able to put Gunther away. And if he's not able to put Clay Collard away, I think he's going to have a lot of issues. Collard has been rear naked choked, um, but he's never been finished. Uh, I guess he got finished by Max Holloway by ground and pound. That was probably just, an, not probably, it was an overwhelming uh, finish. But uh, I like Collard's toughness. I think that he pre- presents a lot of toughness here. I, I would not parlay Devonte Smith. I would not make, put him in a Hail Mary parlay or anything like that. I would stay away from this fight or even just take a very small shot on Clay Collard. I pr- probably won't be betting him straight up myself, uh, but I wouldn't be mad at seeing other people bet Clay Collard. So I will take... I'm going to take... Fuck it. I'll take Clay Collard by uh, by third round TKO uh, where he keeps the pace up. Devontae Smith starts sucking gas uh, and uh, Clay Collard comes away with the victory. But yeah, I, I think the line is way too wide. Like if you give me Devontae Smith roughly around minus 175, minus 200, maybe, maybe, but minus 700, fuck out of here. If, you, if any of you guys are following anybody that's parlaying Devontae Smith or anything like that, y'all need to reconsider some shit. All right, next up. Let's move along. Derek Brunson against Ian Heinish. This is a fight where I have my lock of the night play on Ian Heinish. Um, we'll start off with the other guy, though. Derek Brunson. He's coming off a victory over Elias Theodore in a very uneventful fight, which ended up causing Elias Theodore his uh, UFC career. They ended up, uh, you know, cutting him after that performance. It was only his first loss, I believe, um, in a stretch of fights that he was winning. But Derek Brunson comes into Ottawa, gets a victory over Elias, and now he welcomes another young up-and-comer in Ian Heinish, who presents a lot of problems for him. We haven't seen many fights where Derek Brunson really implements his wrestling game. We know he has the credentials and accolades, but he hasn't really been able to go out there in some of these fights and implement that wrestling game that has... You know, you know, probably gotten him to where he is now. You know, he has a lot of hand or a power in his hand, so I I understand why he may trust in that a little bit too much. But when you go up against guys like Jacare Souza and Israel Adesanya, you got to rely on more than just your hands, and we saw why. You know, Leoto Machida, he was able to put him out quickly. Daniel Kelly, you're obviously supposed to be putting out guys like that quickly. But uh, with Ian Heinish, uh, I think he's going to have a tough time putting Heinish out. You know, I think Heinish is very, very. Uh, He's definitely very tough. He's only ever gotten choked out by Marcus Perez, and I don't think that Derek Brunson is going to offer up any type of submission threat here. Um, I think that if Ian Heinish is able to survive the first two and a half-ish minutes, uh, he should be able to run away with this. I think his pace and pressure is going to be a little bit for too much for Derek Brunson. I think probably by the end of the first round and you know midway through the second round, we'll see that Derek Brunson slowly is going to start to fade, and Ian Heinish continues to get stronger and just push forward. Whether it's you know if he gets some, t- I would be. I I think he will get takedowns later into the fight. Um, but once he lands that first takedown, I think that it's going to be uh, some issues for Derek Brunson. I don't expect him to keep Brunson down, but I think he's going to keep Brunson working. Uh, you know, by continuously striking, uh, by uh, you know uh, applying the pressure, I think that he has um, a lot of potential. I think I just the one thing that I love most about guys are guys that have great cardio, guys that always push forward. Um, and, you know, obviously some striking defense as well. So I, I do trust in Ian's striking defense here to stay away from any of the big shots that Derek Brunson throws. And he kind of telegraphs them, telegraphs those shots a little bit too. So I, I'm not too worried about Ian uh, and I'm not worried about his gas tank. So I, I think his pace and pressure is really going to be the factor here to get the victory. And I'm very, very, very confident in it, which is why I'm more than happy to make it a locker than I play for myself. So I got five units at minus 152. Currently he's at minus 147. So I, I may have missed the best line on him and people might start to put money a little bit on Derek Brunson just because he's the bigger name. But once they see Ian Heinish fight, I think they're going to kind of change their mind and kind of regret putting their money on Brunson. So I like Heinish here. I'm going to say by, uh, I'll give it to Brunson. I'll say that it's going to be a third round. Uh, you know what? I'll say third round TKO for Ian Heinish. I think he overwhelms him, breaks Derek Brunson, and then TKOs him in the third round. But I really like Heinish here. Whoop, sorry. All right, next up we got Sodiq Yusuf versus Gabriel Benitez. It feels like I just talked about Sodiq Yusuf. He fought in at the end of March against Shaman Rice, where he comes away with a decision victory. Um, I love this guy. I think this is another very promising guy as well. Uh, he lost to Luis Gomez in, what is that, <clears throat> December of 2017. 
uh, and he's strung together four straight victories since then. Shaman Marais probably being the most impressive, but here he is against the UFC vet in Gabriel Benitez. So uh, I think that Marais is the better fighter, but I think with Benitez, you're getting a guy that has plenty of uh, octagon time. He's been in the UFC since 2014. Uh, and now he's coming up against a young up-and-comer in Sadiq Yusuf, who has ridiculous hands. You know, his hand speed is crazy. His accuracy is insane, too. Um, but I think that there's a lot of potential for Sadiq Yusuf. And I think that Gabriel Benitez is kind of a punching bag brought in for this. So, uh, minus 300. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, you know... Uh, actually, you know what? The play here probably is Sadiq Yusuf inside the distance. I think he definitely has a speed and power to finish a guy like... Um, Gabriel Benitez, let's see what that is. Yusuf inside the distance is plus 135. So if you can get plus money on that, by all means, I would say go for that shit. I think he has a lot of potential to win this fight. Um, uh, not win this fight, definitely win this fight, but I mean by finish. So I, I think we'll see him catch Benitez uh, probably with a 1-2 drop Benitez and follow up with some ground and pound. I, 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 it's hard for me to see how Benitez deals with the the the, the speed uh, and pressure of Yusuf's um, of of Yusuf striking pretty much. So I like uh, I like Yusuf here. I think that he finishes Benitez. I'll say second round uh, once uh, Yusuf really gets the feel of Benitez's offense. Uh, I don't think Benitez will have success getting this fight to the ground since I think that will probably be his only route to victory. It's tough to see how Benitez wins this fight. Uh, and I think Sadiq Yusuf is going to continue his meteoric rise uh, in that division. So I got Yusuf by second round uh, KO. All right, let's move along to the heaters. We got Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. Yoel Romero is coming off uh, a victory over Luke Rockhold. No, yeah. Robert, sorry, he's coming off that loss to Robert Whitaker. What am I talking about? It feels like we just never see the Soldier of God anymore. You know, he was supposed to fight. The last time he fought was June of 2018. Then he was supposed to fight Jacare Souza uh, in April. That fight never ended up happening. Uh, and he did take, a, I guess, a grappling event, a grappling match against Chris Barnett and won by Kimura. But now here he is against a young up-and-comer in Paulo Costa who has nothing but championship intentions in mind. So Yoel uh, Romero wants to get that title back. Not back, but he wants to get that title shot again. Uh, he had plenty of opportunities to win it. Uh, a lot of people think he won that Robert Whitaker fight. He lost by split decision. So maybe a big win over Paulo Costa here would give him enough claim to fame to to try to get that title shot again after Robert Whitaker is done with uh, Israel Adesanya or whoever comes out victorious from there. Maybe Yoel Romero could get that shot. But I, I think an impressive victory over Paulo Costa here is all he needs. Um, I don't know if Yoel Romero's style is going to work here. You know, this is a three-round fight. Uh, third round, Yo Romero is always nuts. Uh, but I don't know if it even makes it that far. You know, Paulo Costa throws fucking bombs in all of his fights. Uh, and I think that he has more than enough speed, uh, range management, and pressure to finish a guy like Yo Romero, uh, you know, even before the third round hits. Um, uh, this is a tough fight for Yoel, in my opinion. I think I, I like the dog money on Paulo Costa. Uh, I think he is going to be the slightly quicker guy, but Yoel Romero is quick himself in terms of how he blitzes and with his overhand rights. Like that wrestler overhand right, like I always like to talk about. I think that he has, uh, uh, he's like second to none in terms of speed when it comes to that that blitzing type of style. But I think that Paulo Costa has the perfect remedy for that in terms of countering it. Um, you know, just being the stronger, faster guy, in my opinion, I think Paulo Costa definitely has the advantage here. Um, fuck. The the experience advantage obviously goes to Yoel Romero. Uh, he's been in the bigger fights. Uh, he's added the bigger spotlight. You know, Paulo Costa's biggest fight, you got to say, is probably Johnny Hendricks, where he finished him in uh, round two at UFC 217. Uh, and then he beat uh, Uriah Hall uh, after that. But I don't think it gets any bigger than fucking Yoel Romero, third from the top, um, you know, at UFC 241. Uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on this fight, mainly because of Yoel Romero. So that should bring a lot of pressure to Paulo Costa. But I think that uh, he he has the knockout power, he has the accuracy, and I think that he could definitely finish Yoel uh, Romero. And uh, we we got to see what the the time off and away from the cage for Yoel Romero has done to him too. We got to remember this guy's like seventy seven years old or some shit. We have no idea how old he actually is and when that age is actually going to catch up to him. But uh, he's listed at forty two right now, and Paulo Costa is like twenty. 28 um i like costa here at dog gods man i'm gonna go with costa uh which is unfortunate because i like you all romero as well but i think paulo costa has uh all the all the tools here to catch you all romero and put him out so i'm going with paulo costa 
All right, next up, we got the co-main event, the return of Nate. Whoop, nope, whoop, there we go. We got Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. This is a great fucking fight in terms of styles. Uh, starting off with Anthony Pettis, he's coming off that big victory over uh, Stephen Thompson, where he, you know, he was pretty much losing that fight. Let's be honest. It's called spade a spade. He was losing that fight until he landed a Superman punch with five seconds left in the second round, uh, putting Stephen Thompson absolutely out. He, you know, he, there couldn't been ha- couldn't have been more out than uh, Stephen Thompson was in that fight. So uh, I like Pettis here. Um, you know, just just for strictly being a little bit more active. But Nate Diaz has that style to give Anthony Pettis issues. Anthony Pettis never does well when he's being con- consistently pressured, consistently backed up, uh, punched in the face. You know, jabbed his face off. Uh, he has a lot of trouble uh, with those types of game plans. And you know, Tony Ferguson was successful with it. Dustin Poirier was successful with it. Max Holloway, Edson Barboza, Eddie Alvarez, Rafael dos Santos. All of his losses were due to the fact that these fighters were moving forward, pushing forward, and giving him issues. Charles Oliveira didn't really do that. Jim Miller doesn't really do that. Michael Chiesa doesn't really do that either. Stephen Thompson, you know, he's more of a point fighter, and yeah, he was being the fuck out of Anthony Pettis, but all Pettis needed was that one opening, and he was able to get the get the finish. I think that Nate Diaz doesn't have the knockout power or really the the shots to put a guy like Anthony Pettis out. But I think his pressure is enough to give uh, Pettis issues. Um, you got to go with the dog here. I'm surprised that Nate Diaz... It is a close line. I'll leave it at that. But uh, uh, plus 105, I like Nate Diaz. I like him at the dog money. Um, we don't know how he will look coming off of such a long layoff as well. Um, I just don't know. Uh, I, I will either stay away from this fight or I'll bet the dog in Nate Diaz. Um, but he has the perfect style. And he has the jiu-jitsu as well. So if you, if this fight somehow gets taken to the ground, it's not a complete wash. So it comes down to Nate Diaz uh, being able to continuously move forward, apply the pressure. He has a great chin too. You know, Josh Thompson was probably the only person to knock him out. And that was maybe like a blue moon type of thing. Uh, so I, I like Nate Diaz, man. And the, 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 the style that he brings is the perfect kryptonite for a guy like Anthony Pettis. So uh, I'll go with Nate Diaz by three-round decision. Uh, I think he just absolutely boxes Anthony Pettis' face off um, and uh, any type of threat on the ground. I think that it'll be nullified with uh, Diaz's grappling accolades. So I'll go with Diaz by decision here, uh, but it should be a great fight. I, I don't really want to bet this fight just to like be a little bit impartial to it and watch it unbiased. Uh, but if it, you know, maybe if the price somehow rises and gets better on Nate Diaz, I'll probably go that way. All right. That leads us to our main event, which also leads us to a little bit of a surprise. Let me get this shit set up so that we can have a good time. Uh, But let's fucking get this going. Uh, Yeah, so with the main event here, we got Daniel Cormier against Stipe Miocic. But I'm going to be bringing in Somebody that should be helping me out to break down this fight. So we got my man right over here. We got my man Fuzz from Fuzz yes, and Make Picks. What's going on, my brother? Not too much. How's it going? Great, great. I'm trying to get the video set up perfect so you got a nice and bright uh, setup here for people to see you. All right, there we go. God damn, I don't know which. I don't know if it. Oh, there we go. There we go. Perfect. All right. So I'm bringing you in to break down Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. Before we do that, though, let me give you guys a quick shout out because you guys swept the last event with uh, Vicente Luque, Volkan Uzdemir, and a very, very sharp play on Valentina Shevchenko to win by unanimous decision at plus 235. God damn, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, we we viewed that line as a little off, especially just because like the uh, inside the distance was, I think it was around plus one hundred, and her to win by deci- by regular decision was like plus one twenty five. So, unless it was going to a split, which we didn't find likely, unanimous decision had all the value there. What did you was it was it uh, like Liz Carmouche's resilience in terms of like her toughness and durability? Was that kind of what really pushed you guys toward this play as well? Or did you just think that Shevchenko was going to play the safe? Or what was it for you guys? Um, yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, like, we didn't think she was going to make kind of the same uh, aggressive mistakes that, like, Jessica I made. And a bigger part of it, honestly, was Shevchenko's a counter-striker. So yep. 
just the fact if you don't really like go at her, you're not going to see everything she really has. And I mean, she, she dropped her. I think it was with, uh, might've been a spinning back fist, I believe. Yep. 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 Other than that, I mean, she didn't really land anything significant. She was just playing it safe, doing what she needed to do to win. Uh, before I hop off you guys nuts, you guys are on a nine event winning streak plus 14 units on that with the 58% ROI. You guys are fucking killing it over there. Yeah, yeah, getting uh, getting pretty hot. Get, Got to give most of the credit to uh, Nathan. He he does a lot of the tape, especially uh, now his uh, stint with the Air Force has ended, so it gives him a lot more time. He's going way more in depth. So is this like a like a Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman type of thing where you're like the 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 the, the main talking head, and we got Nate doing all the grunt work? <laughs> uh, to, to an extent, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll I'll admit that. Uh, I mean, I watch all the fights, obviously, too. I just don't quite have as much time to do as much of the tape, and he, he does a really good job with it. That's awesome. You guys got a great dynamic going on. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of surprised you guys aren't a little bit more uh, synonymous in the MMA betting world, the Twitter world, because you guys definitely deserve the fucking accolades. You know, I'm a, I know my man Rockstar Z is giving you guys big shout-outs all the time, and, and I've been following you guys for a couple of months now, too, so you guys are really killing it. And one of the first guys, when I came up with this idea of having cappers on the show as well, uh, you guys were one of the first on because I was like, you know what, you, get, you guys deserve the shine. You know, you guys are putting in the work. You guys are doing it the right way. None of this 10-unit bullshit plays and all that type of stuff you guys are really doing it the right way so keep up keep up the really good work guys you guys are fucking killing it hey well i really appreciate it really appreciate you having us on too uh just nice opportunity to get some more followers get yourselves out there a little more fuck yeah so let's get into why the hell you're on this we got daniel cormier against stipe motherfucking miocic daniel cormier defending the title for the second time against the man that he took the strap from the first time around, they ended in a first-round knockout with, uh, what was it, 27 seconds left in the first round. And then he comes yep. back and defends against uh, Derek Lewis in November. And now here we are, August of 2019, number two. How does it go down? Who do you like? What do you see from both guys? Uh, for, first of all, we got a pretty strong lean. We haven't done a lot of tape. Uh, we have done a little bit on this fight. Usually work our way uh, top-down. Um, we like DC. Uh, we think it's going to go... It, not necessarily a first-round knockout again, but we think it'll go a lot really similar to how that first uh, fight was going. DC's traditionally been kind of a slow starter in a lot of fights, so the fact that Stipe was connecting a little bit early, we, we didn't find as a huge deal. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things for me, where they both did connect at, at different points uh, with some pretty solid shots, but when Stipe connected on DC... It really didn't seem like it was affecting him that much. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when DC was connecting to Stipe, especially later in the round, around that like two-minute mark-ish, uh, it really turned the tides. He started connecting with some solid shots, and instead of Stipe moving forward on him, he started kind of pushing Stipe back. And that's that's really where he started finding a lot more of his success. I think that, I think that it really threw Stipe off once he felt the power of DC. I think that might have been the turning point yeah. of the fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it all it all kind of started with he ate a couple of leg kicks, and I mean they were pretty powerful. One almost took him off his feet. Yeah. Um, and and the jab just kind of to, to find the range, but like the majority of his damage he, he does once he gets into that kind of dirty boxing range and in the clinch. It, so it really caught him off, eh? It, himself inside. Yeah, it really caught off Stipe, uh, Stipe off guard when he landed that shot off the clinch and and or off the break, I should say. Um, it, it's it's those little intricacies that DC is able to implement in his game plan, which I really think allows him to have advantages in these fights. He may be up there in age, but this guy is like fucking a, a young skipper when it comes to fight IQ. You know, he's or I should say a grizzled vet, but like not showing signs like a Chuck Liddell or anything like that. This guy has managed to accrue so much knowledge and fight IQ in his career, and he's you know compared to most guys, he it's weird how late he came into the game and has been able to leave uh, like a almost a goat like stamp on on the UFC and MMA as whole. Like minus the John Jones fights or John Jones fights, it's it's been all fucking DC. Yeah, yeah, that that's for sure. And I mean, along with his age, I mean, yeah, he is he is forty years old now, but that's not your typical forty year old UFC fighter. Oh, no. A lot of those guys have taken way more damage, yep. just been in wars, that sort of thing. Whereas DC, like you said, he came in late, and honestly, other than the Jones fights, he hasn't taken a whole lot of damage. Nope. Like he's 
he's really kind of kept it kept it to a minimum for the most part, which has really helped him extend his career, in my opinion. It kind of helps as well with him being in the heavyweight division. You know what I mean? It's like the dinosaur division where everybody's almost like, what is it? The median age is probably like fucking 39 or some shit, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think Stipe is probably, outside of John Jones, let's talk about like legitimate heavyweight uh, contenders and guys that are in the top three, top four. We're talking about Stipe. We're talking about Francis Ngannou. But I don't think that we'll see DC ever fight a guy like Francis. Um, so I think that Stipe, is pro- Stipe and John Jones is probably all that's left for him. But the real question is, is he going to get past Stipe once again? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it's a big legacy fight for both of them, too. I mean, Stipe... I mean, being from Ohio myself, big Stipe fan <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. Uh, bet on him the first time around, not going to lie. But uh, second time around, we've kind of turned the tides. Might have been a little bit of bias there for yeah. the hometown guy. No, I get but, it. Uh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard not to, you know. But, uh, yeah, this second time around, mainly just like a lot of the stuff that we saw from that first fight, we just see happening again just – we do think, like, just a little bit of devil's advocate, like, it'll be a longer fight, and I do think for a lot of that first round, Stipe was winning. Yep. But he might come out a little more hesitant, but it seemed like it was wearing on him. Like, in his face, and his uh, cardio as well, he was starting to just kind of get marked up a little bit, mm-hmm. and he definitely looked like he was starting to get a little bit winded towards the end of that round. So the longer it goes, the better it's going to be for DC as well, in my opinion. What do you think of the... Uh, so, is it safe to say that you're going with DC here? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, would you... Not necessarily. We're not sure if we're going official. we got to finish the tape. But we're probably about 80% going to make an official play on DC. What do you think about DC to win inside the... Oh, whoa. This this line is really weird. I'm looking at best fight odds right now. Uh, DC to win inside the distance is minus 145. But him straight up is like minus 135, minus 137. <laughs> Somebody fucked up. I don't know if best fight odds is fucking up right now. But it, you might as well pick DC straight up. I When I initially saw the line, it was like plus 125 DC inside the distance. I thought there was a lot of value there because I don't see this going five rounds, to be honest. I think that we're going to see DC completely wear on Stipe, uh, whether it's his wrestling or the, the dirty boxing that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but I, I don't see how Stipe sees it to the final bout. And the, the main thing is his performance against Francis Ngannou was very underwhelming. You know, like the fact that he was so gassed in that third, fourth, and fifth round, he's lucky that Francis Ngannou was even more gassed. Yeah, and that's for sure. And it definitely helped him out as well in that fight that, once he did get Francis down, although he got back up quite a few times, he was able to kind of hang on him and just wear on him. Yep. Whereas I, that's he not did happening take here. Down as well, but <laughs> I don't see him holding him down there for any sort of extended period of time. He's not going to win by holding him down and, and wrestle fucking him. What do you What do you think uh, the line will probably close at? Because right now in five dimes, we're seeing minus one forty for DC, plus one twenty for Miocic. Do you think it closes? Do you think it gets wider? What do you think? That's hard to say because it's already started off. Uh, I believe DC opened at around like minus 160, Oof. and it's already come down. Money's coming in on Stipe, so I didn't think it was going to get any better to begin with. I mean, after a guy got a first-round knockout against somebody. I know, but right? <laughs> you never you never know where people are want to throw their money. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, he did open out minus 165 on five dimes. He's currently sitting at minus 140. Um, I kind of set my alert for like minus 125 because I saw it was kind of trending in that way. Um, it's kind of gone up a little bit since I set that alarm. So um, I, I might have fucked up. <laughs> I might have missed the best line on him. We might have missed the best line on him. But we're still going to wait. You know, I think that people are still kind of sold on C- uh, sold on Stipe. And they think that he's going to probably be able to avenge this victory. But it's safe to say that both me and you are probably on the other side of the fence here. Yeah, we haven't really heard too too much of your thoughts. What, what do you think about it? I, I truly think that, you know, DC has the advantage in the boxing, in my opinion. He has the advantage in the dirty... Uh, dirty boxing range as well um i think with the grappling it's pretty much a unanimous for dc as well i don't see where stipe really has the advantage here you can say knockout power but he did land some good shots on dc and it didn't really seem to affect him in that first fight so i i it's it's mystifying to me that the line is even minus 140 ish i thought it would be closer to like minus 175 minus 180 um i don't know yeah. what people who are betting on stipe are really seeing um and even dude that first fight though the line on that like i i don't i, I hate to harp on you for taking that that hometown guy shot at what is what well, yeah, do you remember the line that you got him on oh yeah i think he was 
That was close to minus one eighty, minus two hundred. It, it was not good. <laughs> I hit plus. I think it was plus two thirty ish that I hit DC at, and I was absolutely mystified. I, I I was kicking myself afterwards for not even hitting it harder. There was actually a hail mary parlay I had as well with DC to win inside the distance at plus uh, four fifty. I didn't see that shit going five rounds, especially uh, Francis or sorry Stipe coming off that Francis fight, right? Like that seemed yeah. like that had all the glaring issues that you needed to see to fucking put money on DC. But uh, Stipe, you know, great has the claim to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think DC is going to overtake that once once he gets the victory here. Um, he probably needs a little bit more on his resume since he's only fought like three or four times in the heavyweight division in the UFC. You know, besides his Roy Nelson and Frank Mir fights, let's like look past that shit. That's we don't need to really talk about those, uh, but I, but I definitely like fucking I definitely like DC here. He's definitely going to be my one of my lock of the night plays. I already have Ian Heinish earlier in the card, but DC definitely lock of lock of the night play material for myself. Uh, I don't know how hard you guys intend on potentially going on DC, but uh, it's safe to say that it's consensus here that we're both on DC. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll kind of just uh, depend once we finish up our tape, we'll have a better idea how aggressive we really want to hit it. But uh, it's looking like we're going to at least probably go two, two units at bare minimum. Nice. Uh, we don't like to get too crazy. So yeah. that's, that's about an average bet for us. Nice. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the line goes to. Just kind of got to play it by ear a little bit. But there's definitely value on, I mean, should we kind of line it closer to like minus 160, minus 170? Probably. So saying <laughs> minus 150 or below is, is value in our opinion for the most part as it stands now. All right. You got one minute. Give me one more guy that you guys are potentially looking at on this card that you think you might play. May not. I'm not going to say you're going to officially play him, but is there one other fighter that stands out on on this card for you? Uh, maybe even value wise or anything. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's there's definitely a few more that we're looking at. One that kind of sticks out to me just because he's been a bit of a money train for us uh, recently is uh, Corey Sandhagen. Nice. Um, it. it that we're going to have to go way more in depth with the yeah. tape, but just initial thoughts. Uh, we think he just has the volume that as long as he's not getting knocked out, he's going to probably win a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, a sun style is obviously no joke. He's very legit, but just like the, the amount of kicks in the range that Corey Sandhagen keeps his footwork. Um, I mean, I mean the kid is good. He's really good. So as long as he can kind of prevent himself from getting caught with like a big shot, and just like they'll swing the fight. Um, we think he's got pretty decent value. But like I said, once again, got to kind of go more into the tape for that one. I, I broke that fight down a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I, I feel like he can almost take a little bit of the blueprint that TJ Dillashaw put out because he kind of has a, a similar style, but like Sandhagen remixed, if you want to call it that. Right, like he has a little bit of that, uh, the movement, and he has the footwork to go with it. Um, and I say he's a little bit more wild than TJ Dillashaw, but he still keeps a discipline and is able to land the shots that matter. So I think he should be able to do the same thing to Hafiela Sunso. And I like that pick, man. So I, good luck to you guys if you guys end up taking that pick. Uh, anything you want to let the listeners know? I'm still going to shout you out. Everything's going to be in the bio, your Bet MMA picks uh, page, uh, your Twitter handle. Anything else you want to give a shout out other than Nate himself? <laughs> Uh, no, that, that's about it. Just uh, kind of give credit where credit is due. Uh, Nate does do a lot of the work, so just want to give him a shout, shout out. But, hey, shout out to you as well. Been doing pretty well. Really appreciate you having us on. Great opportunity for us, trying to just kind of gain our uh, notoriety. No worries, brother. I, I, I can't wait to have you guys back on and probably both of you, if you guys can get in at the same place. I'm not I'm not even sure yeah. if you guys live nearby each other or anything like that, but... <laughs> I, that, that, that might be possible in the future. Yeah, let's get you guys on the same fucking show. We'll break down maybe two fights or something we can go a little bit deeper into, but uh, I really appreciate you doing this, man. You really fucking saved the night, um, and uh, I can't wait to fucking pump you guys out, and, and, and good luck this weekend, man. Let's fucking make some money. Hell yeah, you too, sir. All right, brother, take it easy. I will see you next time. You too. All right. That was my man Fuzz at Fuzz and Nate Picks. Let me just get this a little bit nicer. All right. Yeah, that was my man Fuzz and at Fuzz and Nate Picks. Um, great guys over there. You know, they don't get the recognition that they really deserve. Uh, so I would definitely uh, check them out. Make sure you guys follow them and on Twitter at FN Fight Picks. Uh, and keep on their train, man. They, they're doing it right. They're fucking killing it. And I think that the fact that we're on DC together can only make it better. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my pick was DC. Fuzz's pick was DC. Um, and I think Nate's going to be on the same page, too, since they pretty much love each other 
<laughs> they, they they're doing it well over there. All right, um, that's pretty much it for the breakdown uh, for this episode. Uh, hope you guys loved the the interview with Fuzz. Um, I can't wait to continue doing it. I'm going to be doing it for every pay per view podcast that I put out. I'm going to bring in a new capper. If you guys want anybody that you want to to possibly see on there, just hit me up on Twitter at MMALOTN or even just hit the comment section below, and I'll try to orchestrate some things. But uh, for the next maybe two or three pay-per-views already have some guys lined up there i think you guys are really going to enjoy so um i will try to uh shore it up a little bit i i know i had a little bit of the difficulties getting the video up there just now uh but we're doing all this shit live i'm not trying to do any uh super produced type of shit where we're trying to make it as professional but also like fucking live we're doing this shit live i don't want to have to cut and paste all this shit together afterwards we're just doing it one motherfucking shot so uh things will get better i promise i can't wait to uh uh, continue cashing these bets. Uh, I love fucking being in this chair. I haven't been in this chair in fucking two weeks uh, with all that craziness I had this past week going on. So uh, that's pretty much it. Hit me up at MMALOTN on Twitter. The website's MMALOTN.ca. Uh, I will update the Lock of the Night Challenge tonight when I get home. And I will also make sure I send off the tape in next to my man Newsome so you guys are able to have that and uh, use that for your gambling preparations. That's pretty much on my end. Uh, on behalf of Big Rob, Glitch, my man, uh, me, <laughs> and Fuzz from Fuzz and Apex. Thanks for watching that uh, episode, and good luck this weekend at UFC 241. I'm out. Yeah.